Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Alright, 1113, not too bad. We'll get through this. Um, this is a great day. I know that there's not a ton of time left for preaching, but I think we need to remember that it's not only about the sermon. Obviously, that's important in digging into God's Word and having that time uh, together, but we've dug into God's Word, whether it's through singing, um, whatever it is, through the testimonies that were given by these families, um, we can give praise to God by what we've seen and heard today so far. Um, don't have a ton of time, but if you see people getting up and leaving or whatever, that's because Alana actually does graduate today, um, and so we so we have to be there at a certain point. Um, but don't worry, I'll finish my sermon before I leave. So if if you see me walk straight out those doors after Vince is done playing afterwards, I'm not trying to be rude. I just gotta get going, but. This is more important right now. Um, title today is Keeping the Faith. It does have application a lot for our seniors, our graduates, um, but it has application for all of us because it's of how it applies to each of us in whatever season of life that we're in. The Marcourts are here. Hello. I probably don't want me pointing them out, but <laughs> it's good to see you guys. I haven't seen them in a long time. I'm sorry. They distracted me. <laughs> Good to see you guys. Um, so yeah, this keeping the faith is, it's good for graduates, graduates, it's good for your young people, it's good for um, any part of our lives as we run into new people, as we have uh, new ideas that we hear from people, as we have different circumstances in our life, there, there is time that we need to go back to God constantly to keep the faith, to have that reminder of who he is and that he's our rock, that he's the one that we go to no matter what's going on. Um, in reference to graduates, though, just a few statistics here, some, some numbers. Uh, there's two studies conducted by both the Barna Group and USA Today that found that 75%, 75% of Christian young people fall away from the faith and leave the church after high school, right after high school. Another study showed that half would return to church later on in their life. 75%. Another study showed that less than one half of 1% of Christians between the ages 18 and 23 has a biblical worldview. And a biblical worldview is defined as absolute moral truth exists. The Bible is completely inerrant. Satan is a real being, not symbolic. A person cannot learn his way, earn his way into the kingdom of God through good works. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life on earth. And God is the supreme command, supreme creator of the heavens and the earth and reigns over the whole universe today. So that's what they define that. Define that. And again, that was less than one half of 1% between 18 and 23 actually follow that and, and believe that. It's a little scary. It's a little sad. It's a, a lot sad. Um, so our teens, our young people, our college, our young adult age, have many different ideas and opinions out there constantly bombarding them and coming at them. And you guys do as well as adults. It's not just them. Because um, you think about it as adults, you come to church for two hours if you come to Logos classes 
and these, the service, it's about two, two and a half hours. Then on top of that, so you study God's word, you worship him, and then maybe you're part of a life group throughout the week, so that's another hour and a half right there. Uh, maybe you serve in Awana or something. Um, but you take, even after taking all that stuff, and if that's the only thing you do, take that ratio, that, that's a small ratio of being in God's word and being with God compared to all the other hours you have in the week of what's going on. All the other ideas, all the other competing things that are being put into your mind and your heart and what you have in just those few hours of a week when you come here. And that's part of what I'm going to talk about today is, is not just coming here and learning about God, but what you do at home as well is just as important. Um, what do we expect from ourselves? What do we expect from our young people when we have that ratio? Uh, so you may be thinking, man, Pastor David, this is pretty negative so far. Well, it's truth. All right? It's, this is the reality. This is what it is. And so it's a challenge. And and so I do want to encourage us as well um, today. I want to encourage our graduates to not be those statistics. You don't have to be that statistic. Our adults, you don't have to be those statistics as well. Um, and it's not just being away from the world and not having those influences. I'm not encouraging that as either. Like, I, I want you guys out there. I want you being an example, all of you. Uh, we don't want a life of solitude. We want a life where we can shine, where we can, like the teens talked about last week, where we can be that hope to others. Um, for example, when it comes to youth group, I, I teach the youth group once a week. Sometimes we don't meet. Um, I'm not with them 24-7 to guide them each day. And so I, I, I help teach with the parents. I am a tool for the family for learning about God. I am not the source, the only source for learning about God. And that's what I tell our parents. That's what I tell the teens, um, that it is not just about me. And that goes for the rest of West Hill. It's not the programs here. It's not those one-time things. We are here to be a tool and to help and to be a body of Christ and help edify each other and to build each other up. But it goes past just these walls here throughout the rest of the week. Um, there's more statistics as well. I'm not going to get into it. It emphasizes the importance of, of being involved in church. And it gets into the family where it talks about um, both parents being involved and, and, and showing their children that they're involved. It, it, it shows that 93%, and here I am reading the statistics, 93% of those children, their children, will do the same thing. They'll follow that pattern. Obviously, it's God. It's Christ who reveals himself to these people. Um, he's the one that's in control, but it shows the impact that the family has on our young people. Um, and that's what those statistics, statistics get into. Um, it's not just about coming to church. Again, it is more than that. And that's what I want to get into with the three points that I have today. The first point that I have, uh, let me pray first as we, as we get further into this and we get into God's word. Lord, we give you thanks for this morning. Thank you for all that has gone on that we are able to give you praise for. And right now, Lord, we ask that you would guide us as we get into your word and that we discuss it and, and learn about it. I thank you for what you've taught me uh, even these last few weeks as I have uh, dug into it for this topic. 
Um, Lord, I pray that it be your words and not mine as we move forward. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Keeping the Faith is the title, which is there. Um, the first point, and I tell this the teens often recently, I've said this point with them. My kids have heard it a lot. Alana has heard it a lot growing up. Yeah, she's gone because she had to leave. <laughs> they have to be there way earlier for graduate graduating. But the first point, it starts with the O. Can any of the teens tell me what it might be? Yep. Own it. Yes, own it. Good job. That's plus 5,000 points right there. We have a point system. doesn't get you anywhere. So the reason I say this, the own it, is I want them to own their faith. Um, again, obviously, you have accepted Christ as your Savior, that is God working in your heart and through you. Um, but I don't want them to just go to church, go to youth group, or you guys to go to life group, or come to log house classes, or come here, whatever it is, because you feel like you have to, or because you feel like you're obligated to, to check something off the list. When I tell the teens to own it, it is you are owning your faith because it's something you want to do, it is something that you want to build up in, and something that you want to grow in. So that is owning it. And one of the scriptures that stands out to me with that is First Peter 3.15. We're going to read more than that. Um, 1 Peter 3.15, if you want to turn there, it's going to be up on the screen as well. Before I read it, though, just for those of you who don't know, I grew up in this church um, since, I think, kindergarten is when I started coming here. I know I was a Sparky in Awana, and uh, just growing up in this church was awesome. I had a, a fun time and learned a lot. This is where I came to know Christ, it was down in one of those side classrooms that the preschool has now. Um, I remember it specifically hearing God's word, and it's speaking to me finally about who Jesus is and what he did for me. I went home, accepted Christ as my Savior in my room by myself, and then I told my parents about it because I was really excited about it. Um, I was baptized here by Pastor Moosey, one of our pre previous pastors. I'm trying to talk quick. Um, just a great church and a great time growing up here. I hit my ten, teen years, and... All of a sudden, it's like, oh, I'm a teen. I got better things to do. I'm cooler than this. And, and I started to struggle with whether I wanted to be here or not. And, I, and I, there was times where I didn't want to be here. Um, we had great teen leaders. We had, didn't have a youth pastor at that point um, through most of my years up until my senior year. And so we had the Rishes were helping out. Um, and the Gibbs were helping out. And there was all sorts of people that were helping out. Um, Jay Nye said he might have been teaching me as well. I don't remember everyone um, that was here, but they did an awesome job of helping us teens out. It's just that was the phase I was in. And one thing that I knew, though, is, and I'm thankful for, is I didn't have a choice. I had to be here. And I don't even think I asked my parents if I could stay home or if I could not be here because... I knew it was going to be, you have to be there. So it wasn't even an option. So why even ask? But eventually, and here's my point, eventually, as I was growing older, as a teen, it got, and I had fun through all those times and learned a lot, but it got to the point where I owned it. It got to the point where I wanted to be here. 
where I wanted to continue to dig into God's word and I wanted to know more. And then I wanted to be an example to the others as well as I helped out in different programs and different things. And that was the point where I owned it. And so that's just one of the things I've always thought of. It's one of the things, again, that I push along. Um, First Peter, man, I'm running out of time. First Peter 3.15 through 17. Where am I? It says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Um, not going to pick these apart a ton. Each of these verses that I'm reading, you could do a whole sermon on. Um, holy means, as we read the first part, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. means to... Well, I'm going to ask the teens again. What does holy mean, teens? I ask you guys this so many times and they don't always remember. I hear other people set apart. Holy means set apart. In your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord, as one set apart. John MacArthur says the believers, aff- believers affirm their submission to Christ's control, instruction, and guidance. In doing so, they also declare and submit to God's sovereignty, sovereign majesty, and demonstrate that they fear only him. They fear only him. And so if this is so about Christ in your life, then you will want to be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. But do it with gentleness and respect. The word defense here in the Greek is a word that we get um, our word apologetics from. It means a formal defense. As believers, we are called to always, not sometimes, we are called to always Give a reason for the hope that we have. Again, the teens talked about some of this. This goes uh, well into last week. So, does this mean we always have to answer every single Bible question that comes our way? I'm sorry, I'm doing youth group here. Does it mean we always have to answer every question that comes our way? No, we may not know every single thing, and that's okay. However, it's not talking specifically about that. It says that we need to always be ready to give a defense, a reason for the hope that is in us. And so that's where I challenge you to own it. What is that hope? It is where, this, this is what you are defending. It is God's work in your heart. It is the gospel. That is what you are defending As Christians, as those who know Christ, when other people see us live our lives, we are are expected to be able to give a reason for that hope that we demonstrate. Again, not every single Bible question that comes your way, but you should be able to explain your relationship with Christ. That is your testimony. To be able to say, what is different about me? Oh, well, let me tell you what is different about me. Um, it's, it's a pretty awesome thing, and it actually challenges us quite a bit, um, especially us adults. And, and this is what I challenge our teens as well, is as you are living your life out there, as you are, are being a part of society and you're out there, 
do people see a difference in you? And this is something I ask myself as well. Do people see the hope that you claim to have, that you have? Do people see that to the point where you are able to get then give a reason? Again, I'm not trying to tear anyone down, but it is something that should challenge us and, and cause us to think, how am I living my life? How am I demonstrating myself to others? Am I able to then give that hope and tell about the hope that I have to others? Um, we're not afraid to defend or give that reason no matter what suffering it may bring. Graduates, if you're going off to college, uh, secular ones specifically, you're going to have that. You're going to have that challenge. Suffering may come if you are living that hope out and you are demonstrating that and standing up for Christ. It's going to come. Jesus said specifically, he suffered. If you follow him, you're going to suffer as well. He didn't say the opposite, that it's going to be easy. He told you, you there will be persecution for you. So that is the owning it part. Do you own your faith to the point where you are willing and able to continue to grow and stand up for it? Next point I have is follow the truth. Um, there's a lot of different truths out there. Graduates will find this out. Adults, you know this. You hear it all the time. There is only one truth. The world thinks there's many truths. We know there is one truth, and that is God's word, and that's what we follow. Um, 2 Timothy 4.3 is what I want to focus on. Uh, we're going to read 4.1 through 8. Um, and it says in there, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge living of the who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Why are they ready to be in and out of season? Because verse three here. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from, the list, from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. The word here for sound is the Greek word that actually means healthy. So healthy or the correct word um, is actually the word that we get the word hygiene from. Um, but it means correct or healthy word. Um, the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. And so that's why I always agree with Pastor Aaron when he says, and he's up here, he's like, we're not perfect. Don't be afraid to then dig deeper into the stuff that we talk about this morning. Challenge us if you find something. Uh, we're not perfect up here. We're preaching God's word to the best of our ability, asking for the Holy Spirit's guidance, but we're not perfect. Um, so the issue here, though, is that there are many, many people who purposely preach specific topic, topics and themes for the sole purpose of gaining more followers for publicity, money, or anything else. And that's out there. We have that. And... Graduates, you're going to hear that. There are many preachers out there, and this goes for our people as well, that want you to come because it sounds great. Or we have people who are constantly searching different churches, different ministries, for until they find something that makes them feel good, or they find something that is exactly what they want to hear. That is the itching ears. We don't want that. 
All right, we want the truth. We want God's word is what God's word is. And sometimes that involves hearing things that you don't necessarily want to hear. That's what truth is sometimes. We talked about that in our men's class this morning. Sometimes truth is someone telling you truth so that you can learn from it, be rebuked, be taught, be corrected. Um, that is God's word. That's where we get that truth from. And that's the type of church you want to be in, a Bible-preaching, teaching church. Um, we don't want our college students or anyone else going out there finding what they think sounds great and, mm, I got it. Now, now I'm where God wants me to be. No, you're, you're going to start hearing other lies and other things outside of that when you get to a place like that. Moving forward. Um, I did have a quote from Dr. Henry Mo Morris, um, great teacher, uh, does a great, did a great magazine um, about what truth is. If you go, go through all of 1 Timothy, there is a ton of different truths that are pointed out all the way from 1 Timothy 2, 4, up through what we just read in 4, 4. And so something for you guys to look through if you want a bunch of different truths they talks about being God's word or people challenging us, uh, whatever it is. So the second point again is to follow the truth, which means I'm challenging you, challenging you to follow Christ. If you're following Christ, then you are following the truth. The third point and final point is keep the faith. And so I want to read in James 1, 2 through 4 together for that. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So again, this could be a sermon on its own. But notice James doesn't say, count it all joy if you meet trials. The key word here is, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Um, again, I just said this. Jesus says in John 15, 20, that we will be persecuted because they persecuted him. There will be trials. Our faith will be tested but it's a great thing. That's where he. That's why he says there's joy. And we talked about this before. Um, that, and Paul's talked about this. And joy is. We've talked about this this whole year. That joy is not just happiness and yay or whatever. Joy is knowing the hope that you have in Christ, no matter what is going, no matter what you're going through. The hope that you have for the future. That that glory that you are going to have in eternity. Um, that is the joy that we can have. Emily and I, we've been married for almost 18 years. It'll be 18 years in June. We have been through many trials as a couple, um, been tested many times, whether it's through um, uh, her miscarriage. I'm so looking forward to meeting our twins in heaven. That will be an awesome day. Um, we've been through tough times with Logan and his surgeries, but it, but and many other things. But through all those trials, it, it caused us to grow in Christ. Were we perfect through all those? Oh, by means, no. Um, the miscarriage was very hard. There was a time where we're angry at God and talking to him. But instead of running away from God, we went to God and we wrestled with him. And we're like, why is this going on? What's, and just talking to him. And that's, 
That's the difference. We need to go to God in all the, the trials and, and everything that we go through. Um, and that, and those things, that's, that's when your faith is tested. Wearsby writes, one of the best tests of Christian maturity is tribulation. When God's people go through personal trials, they discover what kind of faith they really possess. Trials not only reveal our faith, they also develop our faith and Christian character. We aren't just left with the trials. Something amazing comes out of the testing. We go through the testing and it produces steadfastness. Steadfastness means endurance, patience, to remain, to stay, to reside. Uh, patiently enduring trials while trusting in the Lord develops endurance. MacArthur writes, patience is needed only as long as the affliction or the trouble is present. So patience is needed only as long as the affliction or the trouble is present. For when it is over, patience no longer has a purpose. But endurance is a permanent inner quality of strength, which increases each time a trial is patiently and trustingly endured. And you think about exercise, when you endure and you keep building things up, that endurance, your endurance is what gets stronger through each trial, through each time that you exercise. This is in the same way. Every trial you go through, every time there's, your faith is tested, it produces that steadfastness. Your endurance strengthens. Your faith strengthens every time you go through something. If you are going towards God during those trials, head towards him. James ends the writing that those who go through the trials and produce endurance should let it continue to have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This perfection here is not necessarily a moral or spiritual perfection of sinlessness, but one who is fully developed, one who is complete, lacking in nothing. It speaks of someone who is spiritually mature. And so we are to continue to go through our trials and continue to have our faith tested and continue to grow in our faith towards God. Those of you who have graduated, many of you have not endured many trials like those of you ahead of you. Um, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. I don't know. But what, I, what I'm saying this for is learn from those who have gone before you. There's a reason God has people in your lives. So if you are younger, learn from those who have gone before you and have gone through those things. Find people who have gone through similar, similar challenges, similar trials, and learn from them. Those of you who are older, you have people you can go to as well to learn from and to, to, uh, to help each other and to build each other up. So stay strong in your faith and endure every time your faith is challenged or shaken. So how do you do each of these things? How do you own it? How do you follow the truth? And how do you keep the faith? It's simple to say, but it's hard to do because it's the church answers. It's in class or youth group, what we always call the church answer. It is pray, be in God's word, and fellowship and be involved with each other. Um, I, I often hear it say, like, being, this again, we talked about this with Alana and her seeking out God and his will for his life. And I've been asked this before, well, how do you know what God's voice sounds like? How do you know what his will is for your life? 
And one thing I heard, I don't know where I heard it from, is um, if you don't know what your father sounds like, you won't recognize his voice. And therefore, you won't receive his instructions for you when he speaks to you. And so what does our father sound like? Well, the only way you're going to know what your father sounds like is if you're in his word, reading what he has already written for us and spoken to us. That's how you know what your father sounds like. So don't expect to know what God is saying to you and what his will is for you if you're not studying and in his word and talking to others about who he is. It makes sense. You won't recognize his voice if you aren't in a relationship with him, if you aren't already trying to grow with him. And so I always challenge, I challenged Alana a long time ago and others as well in the youth group, you need to be in God's word throughout the week. And that goes to what we have already talked about, um, not just at church, being in his word, learning who he is, what he is about and how he can work in your life. And then you will recognize his voice when you ask for his help and you ask for his will in your life. Be in prayer, be involved in the body of Christ. I, there's those statistics and all that thing, uh, whatever with stati statistics, being a part of the body of Christ is important. Being involved, being there to challenge each other is important. As God word, God's word talks about the body of Christ and edifying each other and being there for each other um, is very important. So all those things play into um, how you are able to own it, follow truth, and keep the faith. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks again for who you are. Thank you for just continuing to work in each one of us. And Lord, I pray as we um, all run into different challenges, um, different trials, we may think our trial, our challenge is not that big, not that important, but they're all important to you, Lord. And, and so I just pray that we would come to you with everything that is going on in our lives, that we would lift you up and ask you for guidance and wisdom, that we would seek others out who are godly, that, that know your word. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be afraid to do these things, to own our faith, to, to decide on our own to follow you and to, to dig deeper into your word and what it has for us as we follow the truth. And Lord, that we wouldn't be afraid to keep the faith no matter what challenges come our way. Lord, I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.